2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com.
3: Welcome to episode 245 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Botano 19+. Plus. Please play responsibly. The game starts now at Batano.ca. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli, who is uh, back home after being in uh, Pittsburgh for opening night on Tuesday. Um, we saw Connor Bedard get his first assist. Uh, then he gets his first goal. The uh, Hawks get their first win. And uh, also their first serious injury as a uh, Taylor hall is now out with a headshot. Frank, uh, there's lots happening in the first few days of the NHL.
4: Yeah, there is. And uh, lots happening today. Uh, before we get rolling, I just wanted to say quickly um, today is the day that Chris Snow is being laid to rest in Calgary. Uh, I know that we've talked about Chris Snow and his four year valiant battle with ALS, but Wanted to uh, send our, our sincerest condolences to the Flames family. Uh, this is a hole that they won't be able to fill. Um, and I, I wanted—I I don't really shamelessly promote my stuff, but I really wanted, if I could, to direct you to dailyfaceoff.com. I've got a story posted. I spent more than an hour on the phone yesterday with Brad Living, who poured out his heart talking about Chris Snow and... Uh, the entire piece, if you want to get to know Chris Snow a bit and, and learn about the human spirit, it's entirely in Brad Tree Living's words. And it's, I cried my way through writing it this morning. Uh, really, really powerful stuff.
3: And I'd appreciate it if you gave it a read. Well, we look forward to that. And, you know, Chris is his wife, Kelsey, um, you know, she, she's written a lot over the years. I really respect them because... You know, sometimes people don't want to share your grief and you want to share your hardships. And and uh, they were an open book, I think, for the ALS community, it really opened the eyes for a lot of people of, of just the reality of living with ALS. And, you know, Chris's Chris's attitude and, and their two children and, and his wife along the way, I think, was was really inspiring for a lot of people. And you know, I get a sense that there was lots of people in the hockey community that maybe never met Chris Snow or Kelsey, but kind of felt like they knew him. Uh, through their words and and their willingness to, to share their journey. So um, you'll feel like you knew him if you read this piece. Yeah. Well, I look forward to that. Awesome. Um, so that'll be an emotional day in Calgary. The flames get a win for him. Of course, uh, uh, Kelsey and the kids were there for the ceremony, of puck drop last night. So an emotional time in Calgary. Uh, you know what? You know what? I know it's, it's only a hockey game, but small little things like that small victories, shall we say, will be good for the, uh, the flames. Uh, there are a few things, Frank, we are going to do our Atlantic uh, division preview today. So we'll get to that. Uh, Owen power, just signed his new contract, eight year extension to go along with uh, Rosmus Miss uh, We'll get to that when we get to Buffalo, uh, a few other things, I guess, give me your uh, early impressions of young Bedard. So good,
4: like legit. And it's a shame that Taylor hall's out. Cause I talked to him for a while after the game in Pittsburgh and his stories were great. Uh, you'll, you can find them on Frankly Speaking when it drops uh, about Connor Bedard. But he was saying, I, I just said, point blank, Taylor, how good is this kid? And he said, look, I don't want to create any headlines for you, make it bigger than it should be, but quote, he's the real deal. I mean, that to me, I was like, okay, this guy has seen more number one picks than anyone on planet Earth. And he's been with Connor McDavid. Like he... This guy is really, really good. And you watch him in his first two games and you can see that. I said 102 points. Everyone thought I was crazy. Not saying it's definitely going to happen, but two points in his first two games and probably could have had a whole bunch more. Uh, Don't be surprised if he puts up a phenomenal season.
3: Well, uh, more exciting players in the league is only better. How about the the eyeballs? Yeah. Oh, lots of record
4: in the U S It was the most watched regular season game in NHL history on cable. That wasn't the winter classic. Oh, I didn't know that 1.4 million
3: is what they drew on ESPN on opening night. Well, that's good. Uh, Chicago's pretty good hockey market, um, Pittsburgh, but I think there's, and good hockey fans. It doesn't have to be their team. They want to watch players. And, and I think even ESPN's getting that they got a Canadian team that's featured with McDavid and dry a lot, numerous times, right? 12 Whereas, times like, this year for the Oilers on national yeah. TV, which is big. Connor Bedard's first five road
4: games, all on national TV. I love that. People are well, saying already playing. people are tweeting me. Oh, stop it with Bedard. Stop tweeting about him. They have Bedard fatigue. I'm like, what, what way do you guys want it? You either. Like, Hey, first on one hand, people are saying the NHL doesn't do a good enough job promoting its young stars. And then on the other hand, everyone's like, shut up already.
3: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say everyone. It's usually the vocal minority. Let's be real here. So isn't that um, what Twitter is? You you look at uh, look at their schedule, right? They play Pittsburgh, then they're Boston, then they got Montreal, then they got Toronto, like and then Colorado, like they are playing some big dogs uh, early on in the season. You know, the Uh, Blackhawks were uh, happy about that. They were like,
4: Bedard's going to go to all these tough places to play on the road. And then, boom, that's it under his
3: belt. And he's he's got it. He knows what it's like now. Yeah, well, should be good. Um, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, despite dehydration for their goalie, a uh, big win last night, uh, 8-1. Oh, well, not even a big one, a spanking. Um, Edmonton's only been uh, had it a seven-goal deficit 15 times, Frank. Last night was the 3,400th game in Orders franchise history in the regular season, and only 15 times have they lost by seven or more goals. So, uh, Order fans, a welcome treat. And I say that facetiously, of course, uh, to start the season for them, but uh, Brock Besser four goals, uh, Connor Garland scored a goal, Frank. And, you know, he's asked for a trade, but, you know, I was told that the uh, Canucks, uh, you know, had been trying to move him all summer to, to no avail. And the only way he's going to get traded, if he still wants to get traded is to produce.
4: Yeah. I mean, that's your ticket out of town, right? Uh, yeah. He was pretty coy about the idea of the trade request, And I don't, I think it's just a mutual thing. Like, it's been no secret. He's been on my trade board, like for quite literally years that yep. he could be moved. And the Canucks were trying to move the contract. It almost felt like from the second he signed that deal in van, that he wasn't comfortable. He admitted almost as much after his first year. And so to think that anyone is sitting here surprised as the Canucks have looked for cat flexibility, Jim Rutherford came out Right after the Casey DeSmith said trade and said we're not done, we, we'd like to move a contractor too, and in parentheses yeah. that was always Connor Garland. So um, I actually happen to really like the player. I think he's someone that uh, plays way bigger than his size. He needs to be more consistent. The work ethic has always been there. The talent has always been there. Go back to his days uh, playing minor hockey. You know who his teammate was in Boston? No, nope. Jack Eichel. You know who the leading scorer on the team was?
3: Connor Garland.
4: Connor Garland.
3: Well, so, no, hey, the guy, guy's got some skill, but he's also got a you know basically a five million dollar cap hit. It's the three it's
4: not- years that's the problem. Mm-hmm. The cap hit is not great, of course, but if if this was the last year of his deal, I think so and the and the Canucks were giving him away for free, someone would take him off their hands. Yeah, it's it's the third year that's the problem. It's not even the second year.
3: Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Cap is going up in the final two years of that deal. So, so that should help him. But I'll say this, if he gets off to a good start, Frank, um, well, it changes everything. Maybe the Canucks are all of a sudden like, Oh, well, geez, maybe now we like the production or B, other teams are all of a sudden going to go because where you have teams, what is it? Eight in LTIR already. And so many, you know, with, with less than a half million dollars in cap space, it's pretty difficult to trade a $5 million player. You're going to basically have to bring back close to it or eat half of it. So let's talk about cap space Four
4: teams on opening night, dressing one man short on their roster because either an untimely injury or a suspension or whatever it might be that forced their hand. First off, It speaks to the bullshit factor that the league and the PA are now in a fourth consecutive season of a flat cap world. This should have been negotiated this past summer. The PA felt like they were giving something up if they changed the escrow amount, which I think there was a way to do it and, and softly adjust that and not have it make a difference to players. But nonetheless, here we are. Not only has it cost players jobs by virtue of, you know, five, six years ago, every team was carrying 23 guys. Now some teams are carrying 21 on game days. 20 players are being shuttled back and forth to the minors on paper transactions to save cap space. And four freaking teams on opening night are going 11 and six, including the Canucks and Oilers head to head in van. Disappointing.
3: Yeah. I'm sure the players don't love it. Um but uh, many moons ago, Frank, uh, I mentioned the thought that I think the NHL could play 11 and six every night and it wouldn't be a big deal. And well, the Oilers like it. 11 and
4: seven, obviously. And then you see how little their seventh guy plays. Yeah. They're used to it. But I, my point is, this is not the way it should be. We shouldn't all just nod our head and be like, oh, yeah, nothing to see here.
3: So you're saying there should have been a better, there should have been a, a negotiation on both sides to yeah. somehow change it?
4: Yeah, I Increases mean the, the debt that's goes. owed from players to owners down to 50 million bucks will be paid off in the first couple weeks of the season. No. And was a no doubter
3: mm-hmm. to
4: to be in a flat cap environment for a fourth consecutive
3: year is bananas. It does seem odd. And um well, you know how the negotiations go between the PA and the NHL. It's it's rarely one that um happens quickly or easily. So don't color me surprised on this one, Frank, that the two sides couldn't come to a rational agreement.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Right? It's not uh just not how, how it goes, really. So uh anything else uh before we get to the Atlantic preview in the first two days stand out for you?
4: No, let's dive in. We got uh eight
3: teams of ground to cover and our last preview. Yeah, and we well, which is good. This this division. Obviously, is a is very competitive. What's interesting to note, Frank, the Atlantic division, like the Pacific division, has never had five teams in the playoffs in one year. Ever. So uh, Hmm. lots, a lot of uh, both of us picked the Pacific for the first time to have five. So uh, we'll see when we're done if the Atlantic is in the uh, in the same position. So I'd be uh, surprised if it's not a four, four split. Yeah, eyes. it might be. Yeah. We'll start from the bottom. Let's start with the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens, who uh, are, are in another rebuilding season. I, I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch Frank, but they're, uh, they're also going to be a team that uh, I don't believe is going to win a lot of hockey games. Um, you know, exciting game last night against uh, Toronto. But I, I think that's kind of what you're going to get with Montreal is uh, they just, they're not very good defensively. So I'm going to push back against that.
4: Uh, I agree they're not good defensively, but I think they're a really exciting team. I think they're going to win more games than you think. And I think their forward group is playoff caliber. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Hmm. I said, I, I, one of my bold predictions is Cole Caulfield has 50 goals. You saw a pretty nice, Two goal start from Alex Newhook. That would be a real shot in the arm. He gets a real opportunity. Uh, not that he didn't in Colorado, uh, but it just kind of felt like it never really fit. And they're pretty excited about him in Montreal. And I think you see the continued growth from Kirby Doc, and you get a healthy Josh Anderson, a healthy Brendan Gallagher. Like I I think this team is a lot closer if you start to get some steps from. Slavkovsky and others to really being a dangerous team. Oof. What don't you like about it? Look at their defense. I I acknowledge that off the start. I said their
3: defense is not close. Yeah, well, so to me, it's hard. They can have all the great forwards they want, which is why I think they're going to score, but they're going to give up a lot. And I think that's ultimately going to be their demise. So, um, you know, like I said, I think they will be an exciting team to watch, Frank. But what I mean exciting is because You know what? I'm not saying six, five is going to be the norm, but there'll be a lot of nights where they're giving up four plus goals.
4: Marty St. Louis was saying though, he's already sensing with this team that there is a, a fight in them. There is a, don't count them out in games, which is kind of ironic to say after in the opener, they blew a five, three third period lead. Um, Yeah. That I, I actually really like what they're building there. I think they are on the right track that I'm going to say two years from now, they are a playoff team. So not this season, not next season, but the
3: season after they're in the playoffs. So in 26. Yep. Okay. Uh, They they didn't make a a massive amount of significant changes uh, for them this, this off season, right? Like, you know, a few new one was a pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, probably the, you know, the major one. Obviously, Sean Monaghan, they hope is healthy. So so that'll be one. But their the defense is is fairly similar. Obviously, they bring in you know, now Masson came in last year, but now he's in there the whole year. Um, I really like uh Wi-Fi as far as an entertaining player goes. Um pretty spirited scrap in, in game one, but you know, they, they got a pretty him? young defense. Arbor court, right? Is that who you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. Oh like wi at- You called him Wi-Fi. Yeah, that's his nickname. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I was like, I I I was not sure where you're getting at there. Yeah, I, li- I like his nickname. It's so unique, man. That's one of the greatest yeah. nicknames ever, right? Um, but you look at, at the defense core and you could be right on something, but w- when you have that many young guys, it's just hard in defense, right? Harris and Barron and Gooley and and, and Wi-Fi, Jukai, they're just, they're young, right? So there's going to be some growing pains there and they don't have the advantage of having like an elite veteran goalie behind them. So uh, I see them finishing the bottom of the division. I mean,
4: here, here's where I'm at. And I've said this a bunch of times when explaining the Canadians. Um, I think they've just made a million smart moves that when you continue to stack one upon the other, they're little, but they're impactful. Like just look at the Tanner Pearson trade. Um, They, they were going to have to wave Casey to Smith anyway. So they trade Casey to Smith to Van. They take on Tanner Pearson's contract, which no problem for them. It's one year and they get a third round pick to do it. Now, I'm not saying the third round pick is definitely going to be something, but at least it gives you one more shot and you look at their draft capital and it's like, okay, this has been pretty impressive what they've been able to stack up.
3: So they, they had 68 points last year and, and really, you know, Dvorak and Hoffman are gone. You can but say look at that- all the guys that
4: were injured last year. Yeah. yeah, No, it's true. Cole Caulfield missed most of the second half of the season. You know, you go through their roster and almost everyone was, was injured. Brendan Gallagher played 37 games. Like I don't the think, I, I think there's
3: a chance they don't finish last. Who are they catching? Detroit. Ooh. Okay. Um, last year, Detroit had 80 points. Uh, Montreal had 68. Um, so, yeah, let's go to the uh, the Red Wings, who 80 points, you know, not a terrible season, but uh, seventh in their division shows kind of how competitive that division is. Uh, what do you make of the Detroit offseason?
4: Uh, didn't like it. And I don't want to come across as a Red Wing hater, but we were just talking about the defense um, really in in – Montreal of not having the goods. And that's how I view this defense corps in Detroit. And they're kind of most of them have term and they're all paid kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of NHL defensemen. I'll just read them to you. Ben Sherat, Shane yeah. Goss Justin Hall, Jake Wallman, Oli Mata, Jeff Petrie. And then you've got your elite guy in Mo
3: Cider. I like him a lot, by the way.
4: I Ooh. do too. But you've got Mo Sider and then a string of number four to six defensemen.
3: Yeah. Well, I I think they believe that Jeff Petrie coming home um, can solidify their second pair, right? I guess he could,
4: but like to what end? He's 35. No. When you
3: finally get to where you want to get to, Jeff Petrie is just a placeholder right now. Yeah, well, that's what he is, right? He he tries to help you get uh, to improve this year from last year. But
4: that's not what their mandate is now. Their mandate is to get moving finally and get, get in the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I, I I don't see them as a playoff team this, this year. This is year
4: five. Yeah. And they've got exciting guys coming. Simon Edvinson and, and all these guys. It's it's exciting, but this year is another year that I'm like, well, committing three-year term to some of these guys is is not the place to be.
3: Hey buddy, what, what year they have missed the playoffs? I think seven consecutive seasons. Is that right? I think so. I think it's, I think it's seven. So
4: this is year five for Ken Holland in, in Edmonton. And I think it was two before
3: that. Yeah. So it's seven years they've been without the playoffs, Frank. You know, my number on rebuilds, it's always eight. So I won't be surprised. I don't have Detroit in the playoffs this year. Um, I think they improve. I think they're probably, I could see them going from 80 to like 84. That's where I see Detroit. You know, I look like they made a lot of moves, Comfer to um, Coston, Sprong. Sh- I, I think they improved their forward group, no question. But I agree with you. Their defense group, top to bottom, isn't good enough.
4: Well, not only that, but their goaltending really struggled last year. Billy Husso part- was sub sub 900 last year. They brought in James Reimer, who was 890 and Mm -hmm. played 43 games for the Sharks. And then Alex Lyon, who had a great year, they're carrying three goalies. They're not willing to give Tampa anything. That's the funny thing about where we're at with the cap situation right now. A bunch of teams, Montreal, we just talked about, they're carrying three goalies, have a decision to make uh, with Caden Primo. He requires waivers. Alex Lyon requires waivers. Uh, The Flyers have three goalies right now. I think there's five teams carrying three. And the point is, none of them really want to hand Tampa a goalie, especially a younger one.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, uh, in your own division. And the thing about goaltenders is I get why, because you never know where, when they're going to blossom, right? Forsberg being the most recent example of that. So, uh, you know, someone argued Gustafson, same thing. So um, I, I can see why teams are hesitant because some of them probably don't even know what they have. They think he's good, but they're like, well, he's maybe not ready yet, but You know, don't want to give them up. And especially now, would Tampa have even considered it without Vasilevsky? No. And I don't even know if they, now that they grabbed another goaltender, like would they grab another one? Do you think? Like that's, I think they're going to run with Johansson. We'll get to Tampa near the top of this uh, preview, but I'm not sold now if Tampa would go out and grab another goalie.
4: I'd be shocked if one of those good ones came through waivers that they didn't. You have
3: to remember that we also don't know but then, what are they going to do with him, Frank, once Vasilevsky comes back? As I think they might be higher on Johansson. That's my point.
4: Then just wait, then wave him, then give him, throw him back in the pool. Oh, okay. I mean, in the meantime, you need him like M- Matt Tompkins. Really? Yeah. He played in Sweden last year. He hasn't played in the AHL since 2021. No. That's not, a, that's not an NHL backup
3: no not at all so where do you so you have Detroit 7th or 8th
4: i'm going to say i might regret this but i'm going to say 8th 8th okay but you see them no higher than 7th i think is the point right
3: no i in that division no it's a tough division like i think they'll be an 80 point team again but uh, they're not going to be in the playoffs and i'm not sure they'll be that much closer than they were last year, right? Like they missed the playoffs by 12 points last year. I, you know what? It might be, well, I think they could get gained by four, but I think the eighth place team in the East is going to be a 96 point team this year instead of 92. So they could be four points better, but I'm not sure they will be any closer to the actual playoff cutoff.
4: I, I think either way, whether they finish seventh or eighth, I think the Montreal Canadians are gaining significant ground. Okay. It's going to be a much closer gap than 12 points between the Habs
3: and wings. Now let's move to a team that I think is going to be very interesting in and in how we project them. The Ottawa Senators of course uh the big move was a uh, cat is gone, uh Kubalik comes in. Obviously they added uh Tarasenko as well. Uh, they, you know, some of the bigger moves, maybe were locking up the guys. They have mainly on, on the back end in in young Jake Sanderson, who they're uh, super high on. So they got Sanderson, Shabbat long-term, they got Stutzel and Kachuk and Norris long-term and Drake Batherson. So they've, they've got their core guys, uh, even Artem Zub for another uh, uh, this year, plus three more. So they kind of have their core. They went out and got Corpus Sallow and goal. They so got their goal. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start there. Do you think, you think their goaltending is better? I think
4: unquestionably better. Um, look, Corpasalo last year between LA and Columbus had a great year. 39 games. He struggled a bit in the playoffs against the Oilers, but 39 games at a nine, whatever it was, 917 save percentage. Like it was pretty good. Yeah. And at his age, still being just 29, I don't see anything wrong at all with a five-year commitment at a really reasonable $4 million a year. Like, is $4 million too much to pay your starter? I don't think so. And I think part of the reason I say that is because he's going to play in tandem with Anton Forsberg, who I'm a believer in, that I think can be a really solid 1B. So I think their goalie situation is figured out. Um, I just, I really like where the Sens are. I really like what they've built. I think for me though, the sum of their parts, is it better than you? Like, that's the only way you can judge them is to ask the question of, are they better than Tampa? Are they better than Toronto, Boston? I'd, you know, especially even the way last season finished five points back at the Sabres. Are they better than Buffalo? The answer for all of those questions to me right now is no. And part of the reason why is they've continually shot themselves in the foot to start every year. They lost their opener again. It's one game. It's against a team in Carolina that many are expecting to at least be a cup semifinalist, if not a finalist, and they have an authentic chance to win. But what does that mean moving forward for the Sens? They got to get off to a good start. You cannot sink your season again. 6-12-1, Dunzo.
3: No. Well, Shane, hey, you know what? The, the Shane Pinto negotiations I don't think has helped them at all. It's um, not even um, a negotiation. This is the yeah. worst part.
4: It's done. The negotiation, they've ag- I believe they've agreed to terms on what that number is and for how long. I don't even, he's in Ottawa. It's not a thing. They need to unload a player from their team in order to make room. Or they need to place Josh Norris on LTIR and punt it down the road a couple of weeks. Which no. they don't really want to do because they don't think he's that far away.
3: Yeah, so that's not great. Um, which, and I think the big question in Ottawa this year, Frank, is you know, now that you bring in a, kind of the new boss and Steve Stales, and, you know, I know that, um, you know, the GM and they say, hey, we're going to work together and it's great to have help. But anytime you have, you have a new owner who's coming in with a guy he's worked with a lot before in Steve Stales. We know how this works. Eventually, you look to say, do we want our own guys? Not always. We've seen some organizations where they come in, they don't make, they bring in a new person. He doesn't make any changes and it works. But DJ Smith is one of the the longer tenure coaches now in the NHL. Um, they haven't made the playoffs. Five years. Yeah. What do you make of, of him in Ottawa and how thin is the ice for the head coach and potentially GM in Ottawa?
4: It's uh, thinner than your hairline, <laughs> uh, which is pretty damn thin. No. Uh,
3: I wish That's my, right. waistline... hey, wait, wait a my hairline's really full, just not in the front or the top. <laughs> it's sick in the back. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> tremendous in the back.
4: Um, I, yeah, I think he's on the hottest seat in the NHL in a year in which – There's kind of next to no one even really in his category. Think of another coach that you think is even kind of in a tenuous position. You you really can't unless someone that's on a good team falls out of the gate, but no one's starting the year. You were like, oh yeah, that guy might not make it to November. No, that has to be the case with DJ Smith. How many poor starts can you get off to as a team before the ax needs to drop on someone? and i oh. and I personally watching this all play out with Pinto and the mismanagement of their cap um well
3: that's not I, the it's, coach's fault that's just no, but problem. it should
4: be right I'm saying the axe falling shouldn't be all that far behind for Pierre dorian yeah, okay I mean like I'll give you a real it's a small example, but here's here's a good one, okay, so Michael delzato is on their cap for seven fifty this year, and you think, okay, like seven fifty not really that big of a deal, but a couple years ago they had an offer from teams, I think multiple teams, in fact, to have them retain half, so it would have been $1 and for one year it would have been off the books. And instead, they decided to buy him out, which extended the cap penalty, which now has him on the books for another year. So instead of just getting out from under it and sucking it up for the one year... You've doubled the pain, and now he's seven fifty this year, and that's one third of what you need to pay Shane Pinto, or close to it. Yeah, it's oh, just, yeah. Hey, it just pull the trigger. Get yeah. get whatever the price is to get rid of Matthew Joseph or whoever it is that you want to move. Just do it and get on with the season.
3: Well, it'll be it'll be fascinating to watch because I agree with you. In that division, Ottawa isn't good enough to overcome a bad start. They're just not. So um, now even if they have, I didn't have Ottawa as a playoff team, Frank, I actually have them finishing exactly where they did last year in that division, which is sixth. I don't see them moving up over any of those teams. Um, They might get closer. They might get to 90 points, but I don't see them as a playoff team where you have. Um, Yeah, I have them also finishing sixth and uh, any fun prediction on it. Will we will we see a change before Christmas in Ottawa? Yes. Okay. Now the top five, and this is where I think it's going to get a little spicy. We'll start with the Buffalo Sabres because, of course, uh, they finished fifth last year. They missed the playoffs by one point. They obviously have the longest current drought without playoffs. It's been over a decade since they've been in the postseason. They finished strong seven two and one in their last ten, and just came up uh, one game short, one point short of uh, of Florida. Um, you know what, uh, some of their biggest moves this offseason, of course, have been locking up their guys on their back end. Uh, they get Rasmus Stalin 11 mil. He eats up some years of uh, UFA, um, not as many years of UFA, but Owen Power was announced. His contract comes through a uh, pretty big deal for him on the back end, Frank, at just over eight. Uh, what do you make of uh, these two deals? Let's start there first and kind of building their core from the back end
2: out.
4: i I like the deal a lot. Uh, we've talked in the preseason about um, the deal for Jake Sanderson at 8.05. I think, you know, having more time under his belt, um, I think Owen Power is a, a step beyond that right now. And to see him come in for 7 years so you get one fewer year and slight bump on the AAV to 835 I just love that they're kind of very similar to Ottawa in the timeline of how this is all structured you've got every important critical piece on your team locked up for the long term cousins um tage T- thompson both guys on the back end, Matthias Samuelson, at half that rate um, for eight years. They're, they've got their young goalies. I think they've got everything you could possibly want. A stud score and, and huge presence in Tage Thompson. You're the president of the Tage Thompson fan club. Like, I, There's nothing I really don't like about the Sabres.
3: Yeah, the, the only concern I have about the Sabres is goaltending and their overall youth. Like if you know what, they're a young team. Now, Eric Comrie isn't young. He's 28 years of age. Right. But he doesn't have a ton of NHL experiences, games played. And then you've got Devin Levi and Buka uh, Pekka, Lukonen, uh, in goal right now. So and now it's just a question. It, it's not a massive concern, but it's a slight concern for me is, you know, can Devin Levi be that guy? It's hard to do. I, I think he's like the, the um, first goalie since like 1982 or 84 to come directly from college. Now, I know Tom Brasso came directly from high school, which is pretty amazing, but it just doesn't happen. Still very crazy. Track, right. Not saying it, it's not saying, never,
4: it really kind of never happens. Like think yeah. of every pedigreed goalie you can imagine. Yeah. Carrie price. Uh, Even pick a more recent guy, Thatcher Demko, uh, Ka- Carter Hart, like, almost none of those guys have come through and completely skipped the AHL. It's
3: hard, man. So doesn't, doesn't happen. Yeah. And if Devin Levi does, it just shows you how good he is. And I'm not saying he can't do it. So it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's unique where there's always exceptions to every rule. There's outliers everywhere and maybe he's one of them, but it's a storyline to watch, but man, I like, I like the makeup of their team. I really like Darlene. I'm a huge, I like, I think Owen Power in a few years, Frank, we might be talking, he might be better than Rasmus Dahlin which is crazy cuz you got the kind of the, those two on the back end in Buffalo that is massive to be able to build your team around two defensemen like that. They brought in brought in Connor Clifton and Eric Johnson to give them a little bit of experience on the back end which I think is very important uh with their young players. You know you mentioned Samuelson, uh, uh, Henry, uh, Yokiaru, Jacob Bryson. They they got a good mix on their back end up front. They didn't really make a lot of changes. It's going to be some more young guys but Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Jeff Skinner's been actually really good the last few years. I mean,
4: it's not 9 million bucks, but he's fine.
3: No, he's like, hey, he's a 30, 35 goal scorer, man. You'll take that. It's not like he's getting paid 9 mil and doing nothing. So um, I, I like a lot about Buffalo. My concern is last year, five on five, Frank, they were bad. Like they gave up a lot five on five. So as a team, can they improve their five on five play defensively? If they do, then I think they're a playoff team. I actually picked them. I picked them fourth. I picked him to, uh, to end the drought this year. Team Tage Thompson ends the drought in Buffalo. Where do you have? Them? I'm with you. I'm in Sabres in. Yeah. So it'll be exciting. Sabres like they've got a good fan base. It's been a long time. What is it? 12 years. I think since the Sabres made the longest, playoffs? I think it's the longest drought yes. in pro sports. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, I know it's the longest NHL in, in NHL history, right? Uh, Edmonton in Florida used to be at 10. So, um, you know, Sabres fans have uh, have endured a Feels lot. Feels like forever. Yeah. So hopefully they uh, this is their year for them. Which I've would got be, Buffalo
4: uh, third. I don't even have them as a wild card team.
3: I just like them. Third. Yep. Wow. Now the last year they were in was 2011. So.
4: Yeah, I covered all seven of those games in that series as the Flyers used three goalies. Yeah, Twelve. Uh, Twelve awesome. years.
3: So Sabres fans, we hope the drought. Is over. Uh, we'll get to the uh, other four teams who all made the playoffs last year. But first, we'll bring in uh, Tyler Uramchek. Ty, how
0: you doing? What's up, boys? I am. Uh, I am doing good. We had our Oilers Nation season launch party yesterday, so I'm a little a little hungover, but I'm not bad. I'm not bad.
3: Uh, What's Yeah.
0: Early in the year, 81 more. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, buy Ourselves. Brought to you by been a
3: lot of drinks yeah. of that one because if you were drinking every time Vancouver scored a goal. Woo.
0: Yeah, we had, uh, there was hundred some tickets we sold, bunch of Oilers fans in the bar and there was one guy in a Canucks jersey. He had the best night. Uh um, bet he did. All right, yeah, let's dig into buyer Ourselves. Brought to you by Friends of Botano, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. How about Austin Matthews? Last night you guys touched on it off the top of the show. Popping home three goals. You buying or selling on Austin Matthews being a 60-goal scorer this year, Frank?
4: Uh, buying. I mean, what's not to buy? He's done it already. He's won the Hart Trophy. Last year was so incredibly disappointing, and I even still talking about the Leafs sizing up their season, people still were not really talking about the fact that he only had 40 last year. Not to say that's nothing, but you're not paying Austin Matthews that kind of coin to score 40. And I, you can talk all you want about oh the back checking and oh he's close to a sulky level. I don't. Sorry, that's that's not why he's getting paid. So he needs to get back to that level and having a hat trick on opening night yet again. uh that's his day of the year. That um, that's a hell of a way to do it. So I'm in.
3: Well, I love goals, and uh, he's one of the few guys who scored sixty. Um, as long as. As long as he doesn't miss more than 10 games, I think he's got a real chance. And, and that's, you know what, the, unfortunately for, for him, there's always been you know a little nagging injury here or there that costs you five, six, seven games. And that can be the difference of a 60-goal season. Like 60 goals is damn hard. I know we've seen it lately here with Matthews and McDavid and Pasternak. And so people are like, oh, yeah, no big deal. It's still really hard to do. So um, I, will, uh, I will bet on Matthews doing it, though. I would take the over. On the
0: other side of that matchup last night, there was Cole Caulfield. He was one of my favorite fantasy hockey picks this year just because he was kind of undervalued. I think maybe the injuries made some people forget how good of a goal scorer he could be. Does he have 50 goal potential this year, though? Jay, are you buying or selling on 50 for
3: Caulfield? I will sell on uh, 50 for Caulfield. Um, 50 goals is damn hard, man. Yeah. You know, and it's even harder when one gets called off in game one. So, uh, you know, that's unfortunate for him. But, you know, I I could see Caulfield scoring 40 plus, but not 50. Frank? I made the prediction, so I'm obviously
4: in. You're in. That was one of your bold predictions? Yeah, was that Cole Caulfield joins the 50 goal club.
0: All right. I don't remember. You definitely
4: clicked on it. You definitely clicked on it.
0: Yeah, I, I now that you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, that is definitely the inspiration here. And now I'm starting to question my third one, and I'm like, wait, did Frank also have this one in his bold predictions? Devin Levi Calder finalist, buy or sell?
4: No, what I had was um, if you I, look, Connor Bernard scoring 100 points, like I'm sorry, that gets you the Calder. Yeah, um, and then it, but if you were one of those guys that were sitting there in the preseason saying. Uh, I really like Logan Cooley and Connor Bedard's really good. Maybe those two guys cancel each other out. Who could it be? I have the Sabres as a playoff team. That means that inherently Devin Levi had a good season. He's the long shot Calder guy.
0: Mm. Fair enough.
4: And you mentioned it, Jay. Tom Barrasso being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in one month's time. 18 years old, goes from high school hockey to winning the Calder and the Vezina in the same season.
0: Oh, Still no. the most bananas rookie year ever. Uh Jay Biner selling on Levi as a Calder finalist.
3: Well, Stuart Skinner was a finalist last year. So uh goalies, but he, here's the here's the the challenge. I think if if Buffalo is close, then yes. Um, but there's I think there's gonna be some pretty good offensive numbers, and lots of times people gravitate towards the offense. So um Finalist, yeah, I still think he'll be a finalist, but I don't think he'll win.
0: All right, so one of the final three. Last one I have for you guys uh, before you get to the top tier of this division. Last year, the Bruins had 135 points. That's probably going to come down. Maybe some more points being sprinkled throughout the division leads me to four 100 point teams in the Atlantic. The um the Pacific division did it last year. I'm going to say the Atlantic is the division that gets it done this year. You buy or selling, Jay.
3: I will sell. I don't, uh, I don't see 400 point teams in the Atlantic this year. Um, I, I, you know, there'll probably be three. Most divisions have three. I don't see them having four. Frank.
4: Yeah. I think with all those points from the Bruins being redistributed back to the division, I think you're going to have a couple hundred point teams and you're going to have like, Six teams or seven teams, somewhere between, not seven, six, five or six other teams in the division that are somewhere between 90 and 100.
0: Hmm. I think it's going to be really bunched up. I think the entire East, the entire league could be very, very bunched up this year compared to years past. All right. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Buy or
1: Sell. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
2: Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
3: Now, let's get to the uh, the teams who were in the top four last year. Uh, both Frank and I have Buffalo in the top four this year, so... Uh, Someone's coming out. Uh, we'll find out who it is. Frank, the Florida Panthers made it all the way to the ding, Stanley ding, ding. Cup final last year, and uh, if you look at the uh, Panthers this season, I think the biggest off-season story is not so much who are the new faces. We'll get to some of the new faces on their team, but it's more so which of their returning guys aren't ready, and specifically on the back end when you have uh Aaron Eckblad and Brandon Montour both out. Now Ekblad's on uh, LTR. As we speak, Montour is only on IR. So that would suggest that maybe he's going to be the first one back. Doesn't sound like either one of them's coming back in October, maybe in November for Montour. We'll see. So can they overcome their top two D-men being out for potentially two months?
4: My answer is no. And my answer is based on, yeah, they've got a fantastic forward core. I think a two top. 20 players in the league and Kachuk and Barkov. But I'm sorry, the defense that's left in their wake. Bill Zito pegged the timeline, the rough timeline for both guys as December 15th. We just talked about the Sens and how their season was over last year in mid-November. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we did have this same kind of conversation last preseason about the Bruins and all the guys that they were missing. But I think the things that would need to go right for Florida in order to be in the mix. Can Sergei Bobrovsky play the way he played in the playoffs for two months to start the year? I mean, I guess it's possible, but I wouldn't bet on it. And just the defensemen that are left there. I'm just... I think it's bottom five in the league right now. I really like Forsling. I think Ekman Larson at 2.25 is going to be just fine. But Nico Mikola, Mike Riley, Dmitry Kulikov, Josh Mahora, and uh, one of the real eye-openers in camp, Uvis Balinski. Balinskis. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he was someone that kind of came out of the clear blue sky playing in the Czech league last year, yeah, 27 years old, undrafted.
3: Well, Hey, that happens, man. Late developers. There's always a few of them, but uh, you know, I look at the Panthers, I still have them in and only because I, I love their forward group. Now, obviously the, uh, uh, you know, Barkov and Kachuk are, are great. The, uh, you know, the injury early on here is not going to be great for, you know, we'll see. Well, now, what are you hearing on the injury to Reinhardt? How long it'll be out? I don't know. Okay. Uh, but Bennett, you know, I really like Carter Verhage is one of the more underrated players, I think, in the NHL. Great value every year for what he brings. Um, I like Danton. Lundell. If you score
4: 40 goals and have 73 points, you can't be called underrated anymore.
3: Can you? Well, I think so, because very few people ever talk about him. Like when they talk well, about I don't, I don't think
4: that's true. I think his path and like the way he went from being waiver guy to getting a shot in Tampa to being plucked by the Panthers. Like I got I think people have talked about him a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah, but they've talked those about the type of guys story. come along
3: once every six years, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Like they've talked about his story and his path, but I think he should be talking about what he does now, not where he came from, is all I'm saying. Like he like he might have been the most quieted, talked about 40 goal score in the league. That's all I mean. Yeah. Well, he plays in Florida. So that's
4: usually uh those two things go hand in hand, no?
3: Well, Kachuk gets a lot of fanfare and bark and rightfully so they're good, but I just like Verhege. I think, you know, there's something about Florida. I don't know what it is. I just, they, you talked earlier about you think Montreal has that fight in them. I think Florida has that. They, they will scrap their way. And I think that Florida finds a way to stay in the mix until their defense gets back. Okay.
4: I can see. I mean, look, Last year, Christmas, seven points out of a playoff spot. Yeah. They went to the cup final. But I also just think for this team, there's not really that much margin for error. Fair. It's not like they were a 135 point team last year. They snuck in and really lost their way in and then just went on an incredible run. So to say my bold prediction was that they're the third team in the last four years to go to the cup final and then miss the next year. It's it's, it happens
3: somewhat regularly. Yeah, no, hey, it does. And Hey, I, if Florida doesn't make it, I won't, I, I'm not shocked. I, I think there's, it's, it's an interesting division to see who's going to be in or out, especially the team that I picked to be out. People are going to be like, you're an idiot for picking them to be out. So uh, we'll get to that uh, in a second. Now we go to the uh, team who finished a uh, third last season, 98 points, the Tampa Bay lightning And uh, this is one of their longest off seasons in a long time, Frank, and also one where they have made significant change. Killorn's gone. Colton's gone. Maroon's gone. Belmar's gone. Uh, They bring in Sheary and Mott and Watson and Glenn Denning, um, DeHaan on the back end. Uh, Obviously, the injury to Vasilevsky is huge, but they still have Point. They still have Kucherov. They still have Stamkos, Hedman, Cernak, Serge Kachev go down the list. I have Tampa as a playoff team. And I actually have them finishing second in the division. Second. Okay. I have them
4: as a playoff team. I have them as a wild card team. And okay. part of that is not just because of the Vasilevsky injury, but I, I I I haven't seen really much evidence that they care about the regular season. That sounds more harsh than it's intended to. It's just that there's they've been on autopilot for so long. Maybe to your point, finishing second, maybe this injury sort of snaps their attention to having
3: a really good regular season. Possibly. Yeah. I, I, sometimes Frank, when you, when you lose a key player, others are like, okay, you know what? We got to be on their game. Cause let's be honest. I, I think in the back of your mind, you're like, eh, you know what? Our goalie will stop it for us. Not that you openly think that way, but it's a nice, it's a nice security blanket to have. And they've had that with the best goal in the league for the last many years. And look at how many times they, like, you know what, they're getting outshot heavily. And then they're like, oh, Tampa Bay wins and Vasilevsky has 40 saves or 35 saves or, and they're giving up quality shots. And people are like, yeah, but Vasilevsky's great, which he is. And so I actually think this will help Tampa. A, they're more rested than we've seen in a long time. And I do think over time that matters. And B, I think this will force them to kind of maybe batten down the hatches a bit And then when Vasilevsky comes back, oh my goodness, like what a huge momentum boost that's going to be for that team.
4: Yeah. I mean, he's all world. So so here's the thing I come back to every time that people count out the lightning. And I saw some people saying, oh, not going to make the playoffs. And I'm going, Hedman, Sergachev, Point, Stamkos, Kucherov. Tell me those five guys. Give me five other players in the league that you're going to stack up toe to toe against them. Yeah. Head to head winner, take all five on five. No one comes off the ice until you score a hundred. How many times
3: are they losing? (laughs) Honestly? Yeah, no, it's fair. It's very fair. Like they, they've got the unique setup of having an elite player at forward, multiple defense and goal. And there's just not like, look at the other great teams in the league. Can you say that about any of them where they have elite goalie, elite defense, elite forwards? The
4: the the Edmonton Oilers have the two best players in the world, but they don't have an elite defenseman and they don't have an elite goalie.
3: Yeah. Toronto doesn't have an elite goalie. I don't
4: think Toronto don't doesn't get, have an elite defenseman. Like right. they're they're all these things, and 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 I think elite, you know, probably should be careful about how we say that because I do think Darnell nurse is on the upper echelon and I do think Morgan Riley's on the upper echelon. I just, yeah, but, um, they're not Victor Hedman. They're not multi-time Norris trophy winners. Mm -hmm. And that's a big difference. There's a a big difference between being in the top 10 and being in the top three.
3: Yeah. Like Boston has, has one. I Colorado. I don't think Georgiev's there yet. um, You could argue that now the Rangers probably Panarin would maybe be on the low end of Elite Fords, but he's close, right? But Fox and, and Shisterkin are definitely there. Right. Like it's hard. And Tampa's had it for this long, and they're gonna have it for how many more years? And that's why they're always in the mix for me.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, um it's special and they've won two cups on their back. So and lost another one. <laughs> yeah, and lost another one. And I I'd um
3: yeah, and honestly, I, I think Frank, like Braden Point, might be their best forward right now.
4: Oh God, that's a debate. It's
3: a b- debate I'm not
4: willing to have, just because Kucherov still hundred plus points last year again. Yeah, Point like, had fifty goals. I know he had fifty one. Um, I I don't think I had him scoring fifty this year. That's
3: no, hard, man. But like Braden point center ice, you know, gritty kills penalties on the power play. Like Tampa gets a lot of talk about, like, honestly, I think it would be, we'll have to have that discussion one day and ask people, you get one forward in Tampa right now, who are you picking? And I I think it would be a really good discussion. That's why I said it's a debate. I'm not willing to have. Yeah. So it's a good one. Um, So I I have them uh, second. You have them fourth in the division as the wall card. Yep. Okay, So that leaves uh, Toronto and Boston. We'll get to the uh, Maple Leafs and uh, Toronto, of course, at a team that some significant turnover they bring in and really they, they change their makeup a little bit. Like, look at the guys they brought in. Bertuzzi, Domi, uh, Reeves, Klingberg, uh, Gregor. And so they obviously, Klingberg's not necessarily an, an overly gritty guy, but the, the other guys are. Um, they still have their core intact with Matthews and Marner and Nylander, who's, who's you know, doesn't get talked about probably as much for what he does. Morgan Riley, uh, Sam Snoff's now the guy in, in goal for them this season. Like Toronto's good. I have them winning the division in the regular season, Frank. And, you know, of course everybody will say, well, what do you do in the playoffs? And that's valid. But right now we're just talking about the regular season. And I think Toronto's got a pretty good team and, and a really good chance to win that division. I think they're the class of the division. I
4: think they win it probably somewhat easily by a a decent enough margin. I like the changes they made. I really like, look, they tried a different mix under a different manager last year at the deadline. They went out and changed out almost a third of their team and probably went a little bit overboard. I think in sacrificing some speed, um, to try and get a little bit tougher to try and add more leadership, Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shen and, and these other guys that came in, um, but when you really boil it down, when you're able to swap in guys like Bertuzzi and Domi, um, you're like, you're in a really good position because not only are they annoying to play against, but Bertuzzi should score 30 goals this year. I, I called him Brad Marsh light last year. When we talked about him heading into the playoffs mm. with Boston, yeah. that's what he is. He's not as skilled. But he's a total pain in the ass, and he's
3: talented. He's good. He's a good player. Oh, he's a really good player. I, you know what? I think Bertuzzi's one where it kind of leaves you wanting more. I think there's more there. We haven't seen enough consistency from him. And I think if it, if it ever all comes together, you're right. Thirty goal season is that's not out of the question at all. Yeah. So it's essentially. Bertuzzi, Domi, and
4: Nyes in and Bunting, Malgan, and Engval out.
3: Well, they changed their fourth line too, right? Their fourth line is very different.
4: Yeah, no, by the way, uh, we did see a Noah Gregor goal in the uh, opening game of the year. Not a big deal. Mm. Posting in, buddy. No big deal. Love to see that. Um, So I I would say this team has improved and I think... It's hard to not it's hard to say that this team hasn't been one of the very best teams in the league the last number of years. It's just that the biggest thing they need to change is when they get to the playoffs. There isn't a single team in the league that's been afraid of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's almost like teams take a certain amount of joy, especially in opening there to start a series and winning one of the first two games and planting a seed of doubt that just seems to grow and grow like Jack and the
3: beanstalk. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I look at Toronto and I really think, you know, Brad truly at the deadline and what he's going to do to augment his blue line is going to be their main move that, you know, you might want to bring in one other forward. Okay, Sure. I don't think it has to be a top six for it at all. I think they've got more than enough top six talent there. Um, you know, you might bring in a third line guy, potentially, maybe we'll see how the season goes. But I think it's, you know, they, they would like to me, you need a little bit more of a stalwart defender who's just, OK, this is our guy. We put him out there. He's going to help our overall defense. He, and he doesn't necessarily have to be your best defender overall defenseman Frank he just has to be a solidifying force on your blue line and I think that's got to be the goal for tree living at the deadline
4: it's kind of the same thing we've been saying for years for the Leafs at the deadline that's the problem
3: Wow. Well, is I that agree. there really hasn't Different
4: been guy. any any uh
3: progress on that front and there really wasn't any this summer either no that, and that's what I'm saying that to me is now it's a new GM and that's the move and so we'll see, you know, like a guy like Matthias Ekholm came available last year. Nobody, three weeks before the deadline a month, nobody really thought he was available. Then he became available. And so you have to find a way to make that deal work. If now guys like Ekholm don't come available all the time. But that to me is, that's what tree going to have to be looking for is a trade similar to that, where you can bring in a guy who, you know, is going to solidify your back. end. Mm-hmm. They need it. So we both have them finishing first in the regular season, which comes to the record breaking Boston Bruins who had 135 points in the regular season, the most ever wins two records, Frank, that honestly, I think are going to be extremely difficult for anybody to beat moving forward.
4: Well, like, the lightning just got there and now the Bruins a couple yeah, years, they went later, even yeah.
3: higher and like 65 wins, man. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Like yep. it's truly ridiculous when you think about it. So um, obviously I know how it ended blowing a three, uh, one lead in the series. And then a three, one leading game seven was like the worst possible ending to that season for Boston. Bergeron retires. Krejci retires. They trade Taylor hall. They move and, and Nick Foligno, they made a lot of changes. Their goaltending still good. I think their back end maybe got better with the addition of Orloff, but you know what, Frank, I uh I probably could have put it in your bull predictions because I actually have Boston missing the playoffs this year and that's easily why do I know Bruins fans are going to say you're an idiot and I might look like an idiot but I just man, I really think they're going to miss their centerman a lot more than people think.
4: I I, I don't doubt that they're going to miss their centerman here here's the problem with your I think your prop the problem with your prediction because I thought about this and I actually debated this cuz when I do the 32 bold, I come up with my own, but I'm always fielding GMs, front office people, assistant GMs, agents, players, give me a bold prediction. I, it's all anonymous. And someone said, Boston makes the playoff or misses the playoffs. And I said, okay, but look at their defense and then look at their goaltending, which kind of universally is ranked as the number one tandem, meaning the two of them together. McAvoy Lindholm Brandon Carlo like they're not going anywhere as long as those guys are healthy like you talked about this stat and I've used it a bunch they can give back almost 18 wins and still have 100 points I just don't see you they'd have to be 40 basically 40 to 43 points worse this season to not make it and I, I'm sorry, but with that defense and you've got a 50 goal scorer in Pasternak, new captain in Brad Marchand, Um, I just I think they've got plenty to make the playoffs and and I have them finishing second.
3: All Compelling right. argument or no? No, I like trust me, as I said, I can easily see why people would say the Bruins are gonna make the playoffs. Like it's it's probably dumb to to pick them not, but they they had like everything go well for them uh, last season on a variety of fronts, and I just I think Patrice Bergeron was was so important to that team, and losing not only him but David Krejci who who probably doesn't get the respect for for how good it's he was a little bit overshadowed because you have Pasternak and Marchand and Bergeron that's fine, but I just think David Krejci was man. Like he was really good. And, and if you look at, at the overall health of their team, Frank, like I know they, they started the season without the, but Brad Marchand only missed nine games, right? Like I remember at the start of the season, we we're talking about, oh my goodness, sir. but he only missed nine games, right? Charlie McAvoy only missed 15. Um, they were, they were pretty healthy with their best players all year long. And that to me, maybe it happens again, but I just, I think they're, they're so weakened down the middle that. Injuries, which will occur. And these aren't injuries. These guys aren't coming back. Other injuries are going to occur. And I think it might be difficult for them. So I, just,
4: I, I get, I just, I'm looking at their top six right now on our DailyFaceOff.com line combos. Yeah. First line JVR with Pavel Zaka and David Pasternak. I think JVR is going to have a bounce back year. Second line, Brad Marsh Charlie Coyle, Jake DeBrusque. Third line, Trent Frederick, Matthew Poitras which is one of the great names in the league this year and Morgan geeky. Is it thin? Sure. But like, I don't think it's crippling. Like, don't you think Pasternak driving play on the wing and Marshan driving play on his wing is enough to, especially with those two guys on separate lines
3: is enough to be credible. That's really all I'm asking. Yeah, no. And it's fair, but keep in mind, those two have played together a lot. Lately, mm-hmm. right, and they had unbelievable chemistry, and so now you separate them. Does that weak? Because you know, no offense to the other guys, Marshawn and Pasternak are now not playing with as an elite player as they were the last few years. They're just not like not taking away Bergeron. I'm talking about each other because they're on separate lines, and so that to me is is what you look at. It so they they've had a like Frank that line in Boston. I know they didn't play as much together last year. But it's been one of the great lines in the NHL for many years. Yeah, like I, I you know, Brad Marchand, Bergeron are very good offensively and incredibly good defensively. pass an absolute sniper. He's so good. And now that line's gone. And, and that line was like, you know, they could win games themselves. And
4: are now- two guys? Are two guys enough for a forty-three point drop
3: off? That's what you're saying. But it's not just those two. It's also because now you split up Pasternak and Marchand. There's always a trickle-down effect.
4: 43 points is a lot to lose. We've seen teams gain 43 or 40 in a season and say, holy smokes, what a turnaround. So it is possible. It's the NHL. Anything
3: is possible. I would just bet against it. and, And the reason why is because when I look at Boston, Frank, um, they they had basically the same teams in previous years, and they were, you know, 107 points in, in 2022. Good team, right? Um, They had 73 points in 56, which I think was on pace for like 108. Like the 135 was unexpected. It was ridiculously good. Everything had to go right. Um, Their goaltending, is their goaltending going to have like a 935 save percentage again? You know what I mean? So I would look and say, if we go by what Boston normally is, 107 point team. If I say losing Bergeron and Krejci means you're going to lose 12 points, it seems more. Oh, okay, that's plausible, and so that's why I that's what I went off of. I didn't go mm-hmm. off the 135 because it was of course they were going to have a even if Bergeron and Krejci came back, I would say they're going to lose 20 points just because the odds are you can't be that good back to back, right? So that that's where I kind of my number was more around 107, and I thought that losing those two would be the difference in in 12 points, six wins. And that puts you right on the cusp of making the playoffs.
4: Hmm. It'll be fascinating. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. That's I why. Hate. That's why hockey's fun. Anything can happen. Yeah, like I'm actually Any given year, Your stat is still crazy. Five points every year. There's turnover. Five teams every year. There's five turnover. Teams. Yeah,
3: that's minimum. <laughs> like some there's there were seven. So out of sixteen, and, and, and I only picked four, and then I uncovered that stat, and I was like, God, now I should have picked five. Yeah, because I only have four teams missing that that made the playoffs last year. Now I wish I would have picked a fifth just going off of because that's like I said to all of our listeners, that's not the average five. It's minimum five every year since they put in this format of the wall card and the uh, the two divisions every year. There's been at least five teams in uh, that weren't in the year before. And so I only have four overall. And now I wish I would have picked five. Hmm. Well, how many do you have? Let me look. Four I'm four. Go to at a daily face off. I'm looking at who you have. So you have Buffalo in, who, who wasn't in. And you have Pittsburgh, who wasn't in. And, and I have and, Florida out and the Islanders out. Yeah. And then you have Calgary and Vancouver. So you're like me. You have four as well. Yeah. Uh, and we have the same in the West, and uh, but different in the, uh, well, we both have the Islanders out. So you have Florida out. I have Boston out. So mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll see who's right. Frankie? Have yourself a good weekend. Hopefully the, uh, the goals keep coming in the NHL. Um, Hey, by the way, Brett Howden suspension headshot. uh, I'm thinking there's going to be another suspension for, uh, for the Taylor hall hit.
4: I, I don't think so, but we'll see. No, no, I thought he caught him from the side and on the shoulder. I can understand why they don't like it. Maybe they thought the timing was off. They don't like the way that his head goes after the contact, but I think it was a result of the contact with the shoulder that sends the head there. Okay. But we'll see.
3: We'll see. Frank, have yourself a great weekend.
2: Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Voli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.
0: But there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first and you're gonna wanna be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes, because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight